Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. She a queen. She a goddess. She a diamond. Ooh. She a queen. She a goddess. She a diamond. Hello, hello, everybody out there in the world of Corona land, where we are all locked the fuck down. Here today, I have the amazingly talented, gifted Madam Gandhi. Thank you so much, Shia. This is such a pleasure to connect with you in a, a very isolated time. It means a lot to feel a family vibe. So I'm glad that we have the video component going for at least just you and I at the moment. Definitely. Thank you so much for bringing your Pisces energy. I'm already wearing like a full-on tie-dye look. Honestly, I'm so excited <laughs> to even have to get ready for a virtual meeting to get ready for someone. I'm like, oh, so many outfit missed opportunities in these Corona times. Look, uh, I'm, I'm only the kidding. Looks. I'm only kidding. The looks. The looks. Oh my god, it's it's a struggle nowadays just to put on some lip gloss. I'm like, you know what? Where am I going? Just to the living room and back. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so you are not signed with a label. Is no, that intentional? I'm having a conversation. I'm having a conversation, which is exciting. Oh, you are? Yeah. Is, it, 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 is there something that you can give us a little bit of so, who you're yeah, leaning I can, toward I I and always, why? I always knew. I worked at a record. I worked at a major label, Interscope Records, for two years. Mm-hmm. That was my job right out of college. My first job. Harvard. <laughs> yes. Harvard. Who goes to Harvard? <laughs> oh my God, you're just like brilliant. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for cutting you off. Go ahead, go ahead. Girl, Harvard is the breeding ground of the capitalist patriarchy. I feel grateful for the intelligent bits that I did pick up there. I'm grateful for the public speaking that I learned because it was a master's in uh, business. So it's a lot of like class participation. Um, but I remember uh also feeling very oppressed during my time there. Maybe that's for another podcast, but it was definitely like, it honestly channeled a lot of the music that I ended up making. So, so I, my, my first job out of undergrad, which I did at Georgetown um, math, I used that degree to be a digital analyst at Interscope. My job was studying patterns in Spotify streams and YouTube views. And I just saw how systematized the whole record label process is. And there were aspects of that that I was like, wow, it's just an engine. It's not good or bad. It's just like an organized engine that's designed to pump money into something. And then they mm-hmm. have a staff that's designed to market it. And then they put you on a festival stage and then they make, make sure that your music is top 40 because they have a direct line to the radio stations. And then it works. Like that's how you break an artist. It's like you're in the business of that. So I've heard you talk about 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 just like the method of it. And you sound mm-hmm. like a scientist when it comes to this music industry. Because and it's people who are not they are music lovers, but they're not musicians. Mm-hmm. Their job is to make sure that an artist is bringing in money. And when that artist no longer brings in money, they sign the next fucking 40 exactly. artists. You know, it's very it's like it's not good. It's not bad. It's just exactly what it is. So you but you gave a recipe. You gave a, a, a re- you gave a recipe, and the recipe was what one of the things I remember you saying distinctively was touring. Mm-hmm. You said touring is a must. Mm-hmm. Why is touring a must? Touring as is a, a breakout must artist because the fan. First of all, the best if you've marketed the artist correctly, the fans should already know the music. So when they come to see you play and you're playing what they think is their favorite song, I always say they think because it's like, no, the radio has been paid to play this song so that you think it's your favorite song. And they just played it a million times a day. So now it's like, you know, that's what you think is now your favorite song. So it's like it's almost um, a synthetic in that way. But anyway, touring matters because you are performing the music that emotionally has value to someone. And you are giving them an unforgettable experience. And now they are connecting that unforgettable euphoric experience to you. And that's it. That's what religion does. That's what concerts do. That's what sex does. You know, anytime we have a euphoric experience, we are assigning that to the person who gave us that euphoric experience. So euphoric experience. 
Oh, y'all better write that down. <laughs> Internalize but, that, receive that. In terms of saying indie, I always knew my goal was to make three EPs. And I just had a feeling making three EPs and do, marketing them myself really intelligently, having a body of uh, videos and then a body of merch that was exclusively part of each of those drops would garner interest, would allow me to expand the project and would allow me to have some teeth uh, with with the chance to talk to a label when the time was right. I definitely feel like I'm operating as my own indie. I'm taking all the experience that I have from Harvard, from my time working at Interscope, from my time studying patterns in the music business, and then applying it to my own mm-hmm. musical project, which is so empowering and such a positive way to stay financially functional as an indie musician. At the same time, I'm very intelligent enough to know that it has nothing to do with how good I am at marketing myself. It has mm-hmm. everything to do with the fact that this is a well-oiled machine. There's only three labels. All of those labels like send the music directly to the main streaming platforms, the main marketing engines, and the main top 40 radio stations. And that's how majority of Americans and therefore the rest of the world consume music. So it's, it's, it's radical to reject that. But if you have a message and you can have a label relationship that is on your own terms, then you're using the system to work for you. So that's how I'm thinking about it these days. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Now, you're you're all over the world. Can you share some experiences being outside of the U.S. and engaging with different human beings and how you hold dear to that? It's been such a blessing over the past four years. I've been able to perform as Madam Gandhi in Iceland, in uh, India multiple times, in Mexico, in Chile. And every time I go, I really do take note of aspects of my project that resonate on a global level and then aspects that still are more of an American lens of feminism so that I stopped doing the American lens of feminism and I double down on the stuff that globally resonates no matter where you are in the world. Because we do need this fourth wave of feminism and queer activism that speaks to as many people as possible. And I think for me, it's been amazing to see um, my version of what the future is female means, you know, valuing femininity in all of us. This Pisces this, this energy, because right when I'm about to ask you about something, and it, it, it was about your music, the future what is, is, your is female. March the 17th, St. Patrick's oh, Day. Wow. <laughs> but um, it's just crazy. Because you're, so you're so verbally affirming, too. It's just like... Because I want I want everybody in, in, in the space with me um, in direct correlation to be happy because I'm a happy mm-hmm. person. So mm-hmm. it doesn't serve me or feed my spirit to be around people that are miserable, people that are hateful. You know, um, I'm a very loving person. And that's just like the energy I like to feel. And mm-hmm. I, I want to make sure that people feel celebrated, you know, from wow. from, from from the bottom up. I and feel so, celebrated by you, Shia. It means a lot. You are celebrated by me because you are bomb. You. you are Thank so you. bomb. But how was it meeting Oprah? Because you mm. were on tour with tour with Oprah. That's unbelievable. It was unbelievable, Shia. It really was. Um, and honestly, when you when you're talking about our LGBTQIA plus uh, Buddha, I think that's the kindest, most uh, seen I've felt. I want it, to know it's that. true. I watch you all over the world. Literally, and I and I and I'm I'm a person that is big on energy. Mm. I'm so big on energy. Your energy is so magical. And so when they told me about you, like I literally told, I literally told everyone, please, please, please. Honestly, thank you for your words. Thank you for saying that. I think for me, um, knowing how other people make me feel, whether it is Oprah, and I'll talk about her in a minute, or my Mm -hmm. best friend, like I know when someone makes me feel seen valued energized encouraged loved and so for me that's why that practice of empathy and the practice of setting the tone for my day and my own energetic level and frequency is so important because i know how good it can make somebody else feel and that's what i want and that's what i want for my work for my music for it to feel like a warm yellow blanket for that person to be like oh all the love that I've received from this person, from this talk, from this show, from this music makes me want to go out and use my passion for good. Like that's what gets me hype about this world. And I also loved this idea from Mahatma Gandhi, whom I do share a last name with, but no relation. Um, he would say, you know, that he would be negotiating for India's independence with the British and, and the British would get so mad at Gandhi because they would say, Gandhi, 
two weeks ago, you had a completely different opinion. Now you've changed your mind or what? And Gandhi said, yeah, I've changed my mind. I'm two weeks wiser. I have two weeks more information. And in a world of cancel culture, in a world of social media, in a world where we it's so extreme, you know, we say, oh, in 2001, this person said this, so therefore we shouldn't vote for them. You know, it, we have to analyze and have our own relationships to whether it's a politician or a leader or someone we valued. Um, and it's not about making excuses, but I am really interested in the nuance of someone authentically having space to genuinely be better, to genuinely change their practices, to genuinely change their behaviors, um, because we are all low learning and we are all growing. Growing. So, yeah. So I wanted to say that. Now, that's not to say, like, there's extremely problematic misogynists in our society who have committed extremely problematic crimes. Um, but but I like I'm interested in the nuance of, of healing and what that looks like. And then with Oprah, she, yeah, Oprah, the tour with Oprah for the top three months of the year was so incredible. Every Saturday, we would travel to a different city where we would perform in a stadium of 15,000 people. Me and a group called Daybreak wow. would throw a morning dance party, a sober morning dance party. where We would get everyone in the stadium out of their seat for half an hour, dancing, moving, being crazy in their bodies. And I was drumming. And that was my job, to just drum while... We get the entire uh, stadium ready for Oprah, ready to be in their bodies, ready to receive the good energy, the good ideas, the good, uh, you know, mentality towards life. And then she would guide everybody basically in a three-step kind of talk mixed with workshop, mixed with, you know, what's your vision for yourself, whether it's weight loss. And when I say weight loss, I think she does a pretty good job of explaining what she means by that, which is just feeling like safe and healthy in your own body. And that yes. looks different from everybody. Yes. And she was really yes. vulnerable. She would show herself on TV and people criticizing her. She would show her uh, weight loss through the years, up and down. She talked about how she was her least happy when she was her thinnest weight. All of that was really, really uh, empowering to be able to, to learn and watch. And then on the last day, Oprah came and gave me a big hug right before her closing speech. Oh, my God. You and got a hug from Oprah. And so my life was forever blessed because she just didn't hug anybody. She just walked right up to me. She, uh, maybe it was my yellow hair. Maybe it was my... It's your hair. magic. I told you. Like, Thank you, you have this energy. I wanted to know, like, how it, how is Oprah? Is she nice? Is she moody? Is she, like, one of the people that you just, just don't want to step on her foot? You know... Oh. You know, <laughs> she is just the real deal. You know, I worked with MIA and I remember being so inspired by MIA's music. And then the more I got to know MIA, uh, who's really Miss Maya, I remember feeling a bit um, upset that her actual personality was far more immature than than the quality and the richness of the music that she was putting out. With yeah. Oprah, it's a really different story. What you see is what you get. She is the same person on the stage than she is off the stage. She's sassy. She's honest. She's herself. She's dancing. She has so much energy. That's the thing that really struck me. She had done this full nine to five on the last day. We played in Denver, March 7th. And then she came and gave a speech backstage. Then she took photos with about 150 VIP wow. guests for 45 minutes. Talked to each of us, took photos, did the thing, smiling, normal, looks amazing in every photo. Then she took uh, a time to go to each of the backstage construction workers who were already tearing down the, the show and said thank you to each of them while blasting music from a portable speaker. Then she gets in her private car and went home to the hotel for one hour to change and then met us at the after party where she gave another two hours worth of speeches thanking everybody and closing it out and partied and took a shot with everybody. You know, it was just like, to me, it was amazing. Wow. So I was sitting here with a legend. You touched well, I mean, that's Oprah. I, <laughs> I feel like that when, when I was breathing the same air as Beyonce. Like, Amen. you know, Amen. I was like. You know what's oh. interesting? So I've been in a situation on an obviously much smaller <laughs> scale where I'm walking through an audience of people and everyone's kind of like staring at me. And actually, you can be the most powerful person in the world. But no matter what, the feeling of a bunch of people staring at you and like needing something from you energetically is yes. actually very draining. And so oh, I remember yes. that oh, yes. moment, oh, yes. right? And so when she was walking in to give that speech and I was standing there with everybody, I remember in my brain thinking, instead of me staring at Oprah, I'm going to like have this energy like, Oprah, let me give you a hug. Let me say good yes. job to you. Let me hold yes. you in my arms for a moment. So I remember yes. that thought in my brain and I swear to God, she felt it because she did not touch or hug a single person. And she came right to me and I, I didn't hold her, even though I'm younger than her. I tried my best to hold her with like a mother energy, like 
I'm so proud of you. Like, this is so important, this work that you're doing. And it's just interesting. It's all about the intention. It's all about the intention. What is the intention? It's palpable. Can I talk uh, for a minute um, about two, uh, 2015 when yes. you ran the marathon in London while you were on your fucking period? Yes. How was that? Were you afraid that, I mean, this natural thing that we sh- we've been shaming forever, just like breastfeeding in public, this natural thing that happens in our body, were you afraid with so many people watching and observing or were you just like, fuck this? So I, you know, when I was, it was my first marathon, I was in my second year at Harvard Business School. I had spent my entire second year training for this marathon. I had just graduated. It was like this epic champion thing that I was going out to do. And I remember being at the start line of this London marathon and being like, oh my God, I'm about to be on day one of my cycle. And for anybody who's listening to this podcast who does not have a period, let me tell you what you're not trying to do on day one of your cycle. It's run 26 miles. So I remember, like any of us who have been caught unprepared on our cycle, I remember thinking, you know, I don't have a tampon. I don't want to have like, there's no privacy on a marathon course to Mm -hmm. change it out. Um, I didn't want like a half in, half out situation while I was trying to run. I had never uh, actually trained on the days of my cycle. I had always just like taken a couple days off, you know, so I didn't even know what it would be like to, to run on day one itself. So I didn't have a menstrual cup. I didn't have a pad. And I remember thinking, listen, instead of like using any of these products that that like are not ideal for four hours of straight running, I would rather just bleed freely and run and see what my body does with that. Like that was my thought process, literally. And I was like, I know this is radical. I understand that this is radical. Um, bleeding anywhere for running 26 miles is radical. If you ask me, it's punk rock. Um, it is. It's so punk rock. But I was just like, this feels like the right choice for me, myself and my body. Mm-hmm. And I was truly just showing up in that moment for myself and my body. And it was the absolute right decision. And it, the, the sad part is that it is still radical for us as women and as femmes and of gender yes. performing yes. folks to, to prioritize our own comfort. Because OMG, so years, talk about it. We have been expected to prioritize the comfort of the male gaze, the comfort of the male sexual palate, the comfort of those around us, which is actually a very Eurocentric kind of like Christian thing, in my opinion, because if you go to India, ain't nobody prioritizing the comfort of other people. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But... But yeah, I remember feeling like that was the part that made it radical. And then, yes, of course, um, I was bleeding, but no one else noticed because everyone's running for their own reason, for their own right. uh, purpose, for their own self. And so when I crossed that finish line, I remember thinking, wow, I'm in a pri- privileged position to even run, uh, choosing to run freely, bleeding freely. But millions of women and girls and trans folks who bleed around the world are not in that same position of privilege. And so that's what made me write about this story. And that's what made it go viral. Powerful. Just just sending a powerful message of love, of, of security for women and girls. I think it's 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 a part of your legacy that we'll never forget. Because I, I feel like our future will be looking at that and we'll just be like, you know what, you're not gonna shame me on this. And I exactly. I, I congratulate every every trendsetter, every person that's a visionary that steps out for and doing and doing something that may not just be popular or you know and, and that, they say it's all about it's all about doing something from a place of empowerment like yes i was genuinely so proud of running a marathon that no one could shame me like i thought that i was like okay you want to talk about uh bleeding in public why don't you come run 26 miles and then we can have that conversation with me you know? right yeah. come on so, with me so and let's I run felt- yeah. And, and I've been honestly thinking about even having kids like from a place of empowerment, because usually when I have this conversation with other creative women who want to give birth, they it's usually from this place of fear. Like, are you going to oh, have a I, little one? I definitely I want to. I'm like ready. Oh, my God. <laughs> OK, so I would have to be God, mama. You oh know, God, I know so there are probably so many people in line. It's like, oh, Shia, you tried it. Girl, you tried it. No, that's not well, happening. That's my so God, baby. If my children could hang out with you and learn something from you and you and see will the world be eyes. one of the mm-hmm. best parents I know for a fact. Just so much love, so much, so much power. I mean, growing up like that, growing up unapologetic, so where where someone's teaching you to be your authentic self and then allowing you to be your authentic self. Mm. I, I mean, you're just like a a a, a mogul. 
You're a mogul. I want to know about the coronavirus. Yes. Um, I don't want to stay focused on it because I feel like it's it's such a depressing uh, topic and we have no answers right now to move forward. But I want to know personally, how do you um, deal with, you know, your time management? What are mm. you doing? And, and how are you staying so positive? Because your energy is actually infectious. Thank you for saying that. And I think that's part of it. I think it's knowing that when I take care of myself and I set the tone for my own day, that I end up being just energetically responsible for the vibe that I give to other people. Um, Everyone has a different relationship to this pandemic. And I've learned how to really respect the different uh, phases and emotions that my friends and community are going through. Um, I wake up every morning right at nine. So I have a, I've been going to bed at 1am every night and then waking up at nine, just, it's just happening organically. And so I'm like grateful for the routine of it. Um, and then I do a meditation. I've been doing a meditation practice for the last two and a half years, no matter where I am, whether I'm in a hotel, when I'm in a bus, I have to run on a, in an Uber. I always make sure to do this exact 10 minute meditation. Um, that meditation comprises a bit of yoga and stretching and then uh, mantra for the day. And then I have a, um, a sort of a practice of, of imagining three people I want to send love to. So I send love to them and then Aww. I close with some chanting. Yeah. It's a very, it's like a three minute, three minute, three minute kind of thing. Um, and I do it without fail and it really does help um, give me some sort of uh, practice and method for the day instead of feeling like I just have this abyss of time. And then I usually make my bed and brush my teeth and then make a coffee. Um, and then, uh, and then I've honestly really enjoyed Shia, the virtual fitness community, you know, and how many options there are to just be in your body with something as simple as an iPhone and a yoga mat. That's been really feeling cool. I just did a class today. That's why I've, I'm freshly showered. Um, I didn't get an invite to the class. I would hey, look. That's look. My that's my <laughs> I I've been watching like your your workout videos and stuff, and I I, I I'm inspired by it. But I don't know if I'm inspired enough to get off my fat you know, ass so and actually do like it. I've been treating it more as movement, like on the mat jumping or stretching or like moving from down like low space to high space you know mm-hmm. all of that is just so cool and usually when I'm in these classes I'm rushing from one thing to the next but to actually be like how does my shoulder feel how does the knee feel how does the head feel you know these are luxuries that I'm trying to dial into during this this moment of of stillness so so those are the different things that I've been focused on I've been working on some music as well which is a pleasure I also Marie condoed my entire loft and like held up every last t-shirt every last drumstick every last lotion and I got rid of um, a lot of things that uh, the homeless community kind of needed before this pandemic really started so that's felt good but the main thing that I'd like to say in terms of the coronavirus is I do feel empowered knowing that me doing my part is as simple as uh, staying in this quarantine and maintaining mm-hmm. space from people I do feel empowered knowing that um, that is me doing my direct part in curbing the the spread of the COVID-19. So that's honestly, that itself is a, is a very empowering thought. A lot of the people have said that celebrities are on mute and they are not saying anything about the coronavirus, you know, it's just no, for, it's yeah. I, I, you know who actually, who of all the celebrities who did it right is Cardi. Cardi B. Yes. She, did it right. she got on there. Cardi B did it right. TV and she's like, this is what the fuck is up. Don't be right. stupid. And she says it in her Cardi way and it resonated. And even I was like, shit, like I really could do more. You know, it really like spoke to me. But you know, what I was going to say, maybe the celebrities are quiet because they also know the degree of privilege of living in a big house. So there's a lot of, right. um, there's a lot of hypocrisy, even for me that I'm trying to like manage myself, which is like, I have a lot of space. So staying home is actually like a very ritualistic and enjoyable experience given that I travel so often. But if I was in a house with four or five other people and there was stressful energy or if there was any kind of violent behavior, it would be a really unsafe situation. And I wouldn't have any other choice but to stay at home because that's the right, you know, Corona practice. Right. So I'm trying to find a balance between advocating for staying at home while being self-aware of the various privileges that many of us do have. Like me, this this apartment is literally no bigger than some of the cells that I've been in, prison cells I've been in. I, that's and, what I've been thinking about this whole time. Yeah. 
and my heart goes right back there because I know the conditions. I know the conditions are are less than clean. I know it's and stressful it's there. It's, it's so small. It's I, so um, I go into the uh, juvenile hall just eight minutes from my house in downtown LA. Mm-hmm. And I teach beat making and DJing to incarcerated youth. Ooh. And usually I have the boys, you know, sometimes they give me the girls, which I love because I find it easier for me to personally mentor girls in a way. Um, but when I get the boys, I particularly love it because I get to um, almost big sister them a little bit and show them feminine and care energy that's not sexual. And to like, sometimes, you know, you're not physically allowed to touch the boys, but sometimes I will like just rest like a, a hand on their shoulder in the form of encouragement, just gently, you know, not pushing a boundary that I think is inappropriate, um, right. but just to show care and sincerity. And there's, there's a whole like, lot of unhealthy energy exactly. that that's there's going the on there. Sexual energy, of course, yes, you know, so. you know, just like touching your own self yes. is, um, uh, um, is misuse of state property. Wow. So it's it's an unnatural environment to where something that comes so natural to us is against the rules. I know. You know, it's actually really that's to me, the fact that human touch is one of the rules that we're actually not allowed to participate in. You know, we're not allowed to touch the boys at all. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, when I read that, I remember thinking, wow, this is so evil. Like, it's so brilliantly evil. It's brilliantly we, evil. I love that. Yeah. It's really, really evil that we aren't able to be able to make human contact with the boys. Because at the end of most of my sessions, even when I'm talking to people in universities and stuff, at the end, men, much of the feedback I get is, Kieran, can we just give you a hug, you know? And I feel that with the boys. I just want to hug each of them because they made a new beat or they made a new song or they're dancing and they're smiling or they're drumming with me and whatever. And, and more importantly, they need one. They need a hug. They need, need a hug. hug. They need to feel someone cares, someone sees them. Because if you don't feel like someone sees you or cares about you, it's very hard to hold yourself up right in this world. It really is. Once we look at people as disposable, and that's what we do for people that are incarcerated. We look at them as, you know, uh, essentially being disposable. And what that means is, is we feel safe as long as they are locked away. And so that is this thing that has plagued me since I was incarcerated myself. And so uh, once I got released, I was like, you know what? That's some bullshit. How old were you? Um, So I got locked up at 19. Mm -hmm. And um, so I did like a year um, and some change in Mm -hmm. the county jail because- I remember that that was announced. You you mentioned that at your show now that I remember. Oh, yeah. They wanted us to to sit down for a whole year and some change Uh-oh. Uh-oh. because they wanted me to graduate into um, being, you know, 21. Mm-hmm. And so they wanted to make sure that I didn't go to the, the youth or um, as they used to call it, the punk prison. And so that's where the young people are. And, you know, they call it young punk. It's just a young <laughs> punk. You know, so they wanted they didn't want me to influence people my age i have a question why how how do they actively deny um or prevent like authentic friendships from forming in the prison oh system and how do they and and why is it that folks who are incarcerated can't fight like i don't i, I this is such an ignorant question but i always wonder like you're spending so much time with folks why mm-hmm. aren't more friendships formed how do they actively prevent that Oh, there are so many friendships. Like I was a mother, an auntie, a wife, a girlfriend to to many in there. And like people needed hugs, you know, literally needed hugs. I mean, people, when you realize that someone was broken before they got into the system and now the system is literally, it's, it's going to finish it. We're going to finish the job. Yes. And is. so, but these are people who will eventually be released. And so what do we have on our hands? We have somebody who has been uh, tortured, mentally abused in the inside. What they're going to do when they come on the outside, do the same exact thing because hurt people hurt people. Absolutely. And so, so what, what, what happened is I talked to so many people. I hugged so many people. I had relationships outside of sexual. And so the institution thought that. Did you feel safe? Did you feel sexually safe? I did sometimes, but there were a lot of times where I did not. There were um, there were spaces I had to navigate because facilities didn't want me because I was too feminine. 
And so I would literally get off the bus and they would look at me up and down and they would call the warden out. And so I would be the only one that would be sent back on the bus and they would call every single facility to trying to figure out who could they send me to. What, did, so, was it, did you feel in a, was there one benefit to that because they wanted to protect you? Was that kind of the undertone? It was not the undertone because they weren't sending me to a, a safer environment. They were sending me to a more extreme um, really? environment, a higher level even. Yeah. So, but they would use the justification that we're doing this for your safety. And so me going outside was a threat to the good order of the, of the facility. So were you able to maintain a gender identity that was authentic to you when you were incarcerated? I managed to grow into it, but it was through the help of other trans people. And I didn't think there were other trans people. I thought my experience was isolated. So coming from, uh, you know, like raised uh, up in a, in a very small state, Flint, Michigan, you know, yeah. and getting incarcerated in Michigan, it was it was like, oh, my God. You know, I didn't think there were anybody else because the few of us that were out and that were unapologetically trans, we were fighting our ass off. And so we fought for the respect that we now get. Wow. And so when I came out and got released, it was a whole new world. I'm like, wait a minute, you know? And so all this work that we had did, we changed the world literally. But, um, is there a movement now about, uh, trans folks um the like the incarceration experience for trans folks is there a conversation is there any design from a state or a federal standpoint i mean we obviously not a federal standpoint maybe like a there state is by state basis maybe a state by state basis but it it's it's our trans people it's it's we see us basically and so you got the most kick-ass activists that are out and they are are, are supporting you know our most marginalized, like we all claim to do. Can they're I tell you a really doing cool story? it. Yes, of course. I so want to hear my it. Merch, my merchandise that you can still get on my website. Okay, um, tell me tell me about the merch because I want some I want some stuff. I honestly I do. Merch, but I promise it's like this it's a beautiful, beautiful story that even for me to this day I reflect on it and I'm just like, wow. I wore my t-shirt, my brand, and the t-shirt said, let boys be feminine. And I wore it very intentionally Ooh. into the boys' prison. Let boys oh. be feminine. And so I wore this T-shirt in, when, when I was teaching. I think it was November. It was just a couple months ago. And I walked into the prison, and I really didn't know which way it would go wearing this T-shirt. And the boys were all waiting for me, and we were setting up the DJ equipment. And right as I walked in, there was a young boy, and he was like, whoa, that shirt is dope. <laughs> and I was like, wow, cool. You like my shirt? He's like, that shirt is dope because I'm feminine. And Period. I was like, wow, I'm feminine. And he's like, that shirt is cool. He said, you know what? You know what? My artist name is Best Intentions. And mm. I was like, that's such a gorgeous name. He's like, yeah, I want to use my music to help people. I was like, that's beautiful. And then he said, but you know why I chose Best Intentions? I said, why? He said, because the initials are B-I. And I identify as bi. Oh. And he says this in front of a circle of boys waiting to start this class. Like, they're not even there. He's just talking one-on-one to me, but loud, not like privately, you know? Like secret, like I'm scared. Yeah. Like, of living my truth. I was like, this is so powerful. And for me, one justification that I kind of thought in my head, and I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on this, is that he was a bigger kid. He was heavy Mm -hmm. in his body. He was strong in his body. And he was strong in his demeanor. You know, he had already gone through whatever where he was mature enough to own his identity unapologetically. And none of the other boys even batted an eyelid, you know? So that moment really changed my life because I had gone in with my own preconceptions, you know, that the boys are going to throw shade at this and then I'm going to have to explain it and da da da. And they're going to be on some homophobic type of shit. And none of that. In fact, his relationship to that shirt was more radical than any other person's relationship to that shirt that I had experienced until that moment. So I just wanted to share that with you because everything that you're saying is really resonating just off of my one experience with him alone or with them. And, and, What you do is so amazing. I look at you as, I don't know, just like our LGBT Buddha. Like, what is the title we can give you? That because 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 we already have a lesbian Jesus, right? (laughs) Who is that? Ellen DeGeneres. (laughs) (laughs) 
saying Jesus? Are you just saying Jesus was a lesbian? <laughs> no, no, we have a, we have a lesbian Jesus. Um, our lesbian Jesus. Um, Oprah. <laughs> no. <laughs> By the way, Shia, you know I went on tour with Oprah for three months. Are you gonna I know. About I I wrote notes. I did. Oh okay, no, no, no. Who is lesbian Jesus? Before we move on. You know, you know. See, see. I'm I'm gonna task you. I'm gonna task you with something because I can give you the information, right? I can give you the information, <laughs> but you would have to tune in till till to one of my episodes on on Billboard uh, podcast Deal. in order to get that information. So Deal. if if, if if you're sharing it and you're watching this, then I I want you to hit me up like Shia. You could have just told me. I know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, I, I want a little feedback, but uh, I'm I'm tasking you with work. That's so. the homework assignment, and for anyone who's listening, that's our other homework assignment. And mm. so this is a segment in the show that you get an opportunity to tell us about somebody that we don't know in the mm. music industry that should be highlighted, but they're not. I love this opportunity. Okay, well, one thing I do every Wednesday, and I will think of that one or two people that I want to mention specifically, but mm-hmm. every Wednesday, um, I curate a Spotify playlist. And on that playlist, I put 30 artists who share my mission to elevate and celebrate feminine voices on that playlist. And it's actually really funny because now we have over 5,000 built-in uh, followers on the playlist, which is not millions, but it's something. And now the men want to be playlisted. So then we say, okay, we'll consider you for our playlist, but what are you doing to elevate and celebrate women and girls and trans folks and gender? Period. Period. And so actually we get really interesting responses. Like one kid wrote, you know, my mom inspired my hip hop, you know, all types of shit. It's just, it's just great. Just even get them thinking about that. Um, so, so that is one way that we do intentionally try to constantly put on other artists. And years ago, we've had your music on there multiple times. I hope you I, that. I, I do <laughs> remember it. And thank you so much for that. No, it's like, a pleasure to share your music with the world. Every time somebody throw me a bone, I'm like, you know what? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like, you know what? I don't care if they have two followers. I'm like, right? you know what? Exactly. Oh my God. Exactly. I feel seen in this moment. Exactly. And it's so hard for us to be seen in this in this industry. And 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 speaking of being seen in this industry, how do you feel you're being received in this industry? Do you feel like it's lacking because of your identity? Um, I'll answer that, but I do want to take my chance to give you maybe three names of folks who I'm really excited about. Yes. Um, my best friend, Lara FM, is definitely mm-hmm. an artist who I think everyone does need to know about because her story is about radically being yourself and radically combating cult behavior and also um, programming, you know, the societal programming that all of us have in so many different ways, you know, and it's, it's super, super inspiring her work and her mission. I think the second is Jarena DeMarco, who um, is really has a burgeoning platform right now. But every time I see her music videos or I listen to her music, I'm like, gosh, like, you remind me of the Santi Gold and MIA stuff that I used to be obsessed with. And you're doing it with this Latin flair and authenticity. And I love it. And then I would say the third person is my friend Connie, who performs as Milk, M-I-L-C-K. And she has a really cool song that I've been listening to. Um, you know, if, if, if she's called, she calls it like if I ruled the world, you know, these are the changes that I would make. And, and I think it's just like so powerful. I'm like, yeah, Connie for president, Milk for president. So those are my three. I love it. And then uh, my, your question was, how do I feel seen in this world or or not seen? Yes. Um, I think... Because I think you should be like the biggest freaking star in the world just by your messaging, just by your talent. I mean, like, if if that can't carry you... Thank you. Then what... I think there's... You know, in mind, I always analyze superficial ways of crafting fame you know there's a lot of times people dm me and they're like oh we can do your pr we can get you x amount of followers we can buy you followers we can do this i've yeah. never been interested in that i think there's are a lot of ways to trigger fame um but then you you organically are not growing to meet the level of fame like right now on my instagram fifty thousand people are following me i've worked to cultivate those folks who care about and listen to and value my music and if tomorrow you put me on a stage in front of that many people i do feel i would have the skill set and the life experience to be able to handle that without an enormous amount of anxiety what tends right. to happen with young folks is that we 
sign them and then we pump an inorganic amount of money into it. And then we yeah. do put them in front of 15, 16, 17, 20,000 people, but they've only performed a couple times in their life. They've been beat making in their studio or singing a couple, a couple songs here and there. So then the amount of anxiety that ensues, they feel the need to take a tequila shot before they go on stage or this drug or that drug or this drug to go up and then this drug to go down. Mm-hmm. You haven't developed the authentic meditative practices that allow you to deal with the level that someone is putting on you. So in that sense, I've been very grateful for the very organic and rich process and also to be in control of my own success instead of letting my success manage me. So in that sense, I feel grateful that you see my work on a bigger platform. I do. Um, But I appreciate the nuance also of growing organically so that it's fun instead of stressful. I think about music that we need. And so when I think Mm. about music that we need, I think about messaging because there, and I believe that we are brainwashing Mm -hmm. our people definitely into killing each other into doing a whole lot of things and that's how we're being celebrated in music and so i can come up with a song right now saying shoot them up bang bang and And we would sign you we'd be happy to sign you. oh my god it'd be number one (laughs) and if i get naked you know on the video and saying hey you know it's just there is a recipe Mm mm-hmm it's a recipe. And so I like that you said, because I'm doing the same thing as an artist mm-hmm. and I want to be or, or organic, you know, like following and yes. not this uh, fixated following. And so you have all these people, you can, you can, you can buy followers, just like you said. Right. But what happens when you only have like 10 likes and you have like mm-hmm. a million fo- followers? I mean, it doesn't translate. <laughs> and so you can't sell your merch. You can't send a message. Exactly. You can't do anything. So I would rather just cultivate, you know, my following that I have and have a relationship mm-hmm. with my following and uplift Honesty them. Is so cool. Honesty is so cool. Being honest is like the coolest thing you could possibly do. It's so hard to be honest because there so are, be honest. we have so much truth. And you know, I feel like when I sprinkle people with a little bit of truth, they're like, oh, my God, what in the hell are we dealing with? <laughs> so I know they won't be able to handle the rest. So it's hard for me to be this truth teller in music and then be be truthful in, in how I represent myself because I know I'm not what they're looking for. I know they want a, a much more polished version of, of, of me. They want a, a lighter version of me. They want a smaller version of me. They want a, a, a quieter version of me. And so to come out with my loud, proud, mm. unapologetically mm. trans mm. self, and and I bring my whole self every, in, in every space do. I go to. So my I hugs know. are genuine. If I hug you, it's genuine. If I man. don't hug you, it's for a reason. If I see what I'm speaking, that means I'll fuck with you. Oh, Cardi B. That, that line was too real. Everyone was like, it Shit, was. It's so real. It I was. Know. We all agree with that. <laughs> like, so, catch the vibe, fool. No, but when speaking you say of that, Cardi, so true. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Speaking of Cardi B, who would be your dream collab? Justin Bieber. Oh, my God. <laughs> and why? <laughs> and why because he is so first of all i feel like he and i are like spiritual kindred piscean twins like he's five years younger than me but like i definitely like love his whole swag i love his whole aesthetic i love his body like i can't tell if i want to be yes, him, like, you want to say this like, body so oh my god if i met him i would be on would you some, fuck like, justin? Big sister energy though would you fuck justin oh definitely oh my god you don't even have to ask me that mind. twice. It would be so fun and so hot. I would. Oh my really god, you have blown my mind right now. But it, it's so hot. It's so hot. But I would also say um, the reason why I love what he's doing and I love his work is that he is like a straight white male, and yet all of his music is extremely loving, extremely vulnerable, extremely sweet. He's never, um, maybe a couple of songs, he gets like peer pressured into being a little bit more like trying to pretend like he's on some like uh, fuck boy type thing. But that's actually, those are not even the songs that that set, like that translate. The songs that are the ones that people connect with and that are his biggest hits are when he's being soft and vulnerable. And his most recent album is just an ode to his entire wife. And while a couple of moments are a little patriarchal and kind of like, have a bit of a Christian patriarchal Anglo-Saxon energy undertone. For the most part, the part that I connect with is him saying, 
man, like, I can't wait for you to get home. Like, man, like, can you give me attention? He's like, man, we split everything 50-50 and you have your own thing going on, but, like, I can't wait to see you, you know? And can you just hold me in your arms? And my happiest moments are when I get to just sit next to you. Like, I think that's vulnerable. And we're so obsessed with masculine energy being Mm -hmm. like, I fuck 20 people and I do this and I don't care and I have no feelings. And, like, the weekend putting out all, even though the music is so extraordinarily good, the message he's putting out about women is so problematic. It's so mm-hmm. toxic. It's so bad. I fucked you. I don't remember. I don't know what your name is. This, that. It's like, <laughs> ugh, we, we don't want that. Actually, everyone's thirsty for connection, for love, for building something difficult to build. So anyway, I'm probably giving this little 25-year-old way too much credit. But for the most part, when I analyze it, this is what I see. <laughs> I love the way you talk. Oh my God, you give me so much life. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, but um, I would love a, a Madame Gandhi fan fact and a, a Madame Gandhi fun fact. So, the fan fact is something that a crazy fan jumped out your, you know, uh, was outside your apartment window screaming your name or, or whatever, or after a stage, you know, after a performance. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and a fun fact is something that we don't know about you that would, you know, of course, you know, that we would love to eat up because it's so juicy. <laughs> it's so cute. Okay, let me think about these. Let me think about these. Um, I think the fan fact that comes to mind, and it's nothing like someone stalked me at my loft, but I think um, what's interesting is that I'm actually very generous with my interactions on social media in the sense that, like, I check all of the the DMs that don't go to my main DM. I respond to people. I try my best to engage because if someone took the time to tell me that they love the show at this, at my project's level right now, I have no excuse but to reply. You know, I, I, I think it's the right thing to do because it feels so good when, when someone who's bigger replies to me. So, uh, I do think the slippery slope though with that is that then the fans who are really super fans every day they message me random stuff you know and so there's like three or four of them that like respond to anything that I post on my story that like feel the need to send me random stuff and it's my fault because I keep engaging so then they keep (laughs) responding and there was one fan who eventually because she would just respond as soon as I respond boom she's there responding and I was like damn this is really sweet but I have to set a boundary and I responded and I was like hey Thank you so much for your enthusiasm for my project. It's such a pleasure to share my music with you. But um, please respect my personal space. I can't engage oh so my often. God. Um, but I want to, you know. And so please consider sending me something that's more thoughtful and more regulated so that I can engage, you know, in a more meaningful way. And they respected that. They How do you have those I conversations? Think. I don't know how to begin. I've always well, had a problem telling people no. Boundaries are a Pisces weakness. I know. I've always had a problem telling people no since I was little. Me too. Me too. But that's why we're going to stay depleted. And we have to start by saying, I love you and. It's not but. It's I love you and. If you want me to continue to have meaningful interactions with you, it needs to look like this. And that's your choice. If you continue to bombard me, I can no longer participate. But if you want me to participate, it needs to look like this. And namaste. That's my Namaste. new thing. Namaste. Instead of uh, but, you just say and. This is my new thing. I've learned that. I love you and this is the boundary. What was your creative process for Young Indian? Girl, you're so funny. Am I supposed to tell you a fun fact? Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm like skipping stuff. I'm like, look, I have like so much stuff I want to ask you. <laughs> my fun fact is that I mostly try to stay vegan, but I'm not strict about it. That's my fun fact. It's kind of a lame fun fact, but like... People really assume that I'm vegan, which I'm actually kind of grateful for because then they only take me to the vegan restaurants or like they only put <laughs> vegan food in my green room, which is actually great because then it allows me to stay Be healthy, on, you know, right? yeah, responsible <laughs> and eating clean on the road instead of advancing the latest tequila brand. I'm advancing fucking walnuts oh and it's that, you know, so that's cool. <laughs> but I'm definitely I definitely don't rep vegan. I definitely don't say like say I'm strictly vegan because uh, if I'm in Italy and they're like, no, we don't have fucking vegan you know mozzarella we just have the best mozzarella in the whole world then of course i'm just gonna eat the normal as mozzarella like it's it's things like that that just kind of intuitively make sense and so i eat with with where my body's at okay and young indian yes (laughs) so what was your creative process with with young indian 
because I, I was we listening to it. We had a little loop. It. My friend and I had a little loop, like, boop, 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 boop. And, like, that loop alone, I liked it. <laughs> and I can tell. I feel like I'm very, like, all in or all out with, with songs and with beats and with ideas. Like, I can tell whether I really connected something or not. And then I wrote this drum part underneath it with that goes, and then we built out the whole um, arrangement of the song. My friend Anthony, he's an older British rocker dude. He used to be in a band um, in England in kind of the psych rock era. Now his beautiful wife owns a, a venue in, in Boston and he has two kids and his kid is queer identifying, which is so cool. So he's just like a super rad human being. And we made the entire instrumental and I actually felt really stressed about writing the lyrics because I knew I wanted to say something um, but I didn't, I just wanted it to be good. And I was in a hookah bar in Boston, which was like my favorite place to go in the middle of studying at Harvard because it was like only brown people. Like there was no white people at this hookah bar. And I really found <laughs> solace in that. And I would just go alone sometimes or I'd like go for a run. Ironically, I would run to the hookah place. I thought maybe they would cancel each other out. <laughs> um, and then I, I went there and I drew, drew so much inspiration. I wrote all the lyrics pretty much there over a course of a couple hours. There was a line wow. where it's like, um, um, I'm here to learn, but if you're not self-aware, um, no, it's like, if you mansplain, while well, I'm here to learn, I'll be gone like the departed. You know, it's like, I was watching this guy mansplain something to some girl and I knew her vibe. She was like zoned out because she obviously knew what he was talking about, but he was like so deep in his own, like masturbating of his own ego. She just right. allowed it to happen. And I was like, this dynamic happens all the time. And we have to find out how to stop it. So I wrote that line in there because I directly witnessed it at that hookah bar. So that was that was how we how it happened. Wow. Okay. So I have one final question. And because um, we've been on here for 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 a while, but I'm it's easy I'm enjoying I'm enjoying every single minute of it. And and so Me too, um, I, I'm thinking back on the producers. They're like, Shia, you don't have to ask every single question, go down the <laughs> you know, the line. And so, you know, it's all about great conversations, and, and that we're having is a great conversation. But I, I kind of want to do want to squeeze in that this question because um with queer culture um growing in the mainstream, what do you hope to leave behind? as a message mm. from, from Madam Gandhi? For me, my queerness comes from a place of liberation as opposed to a place of hardship. And that distinction has always allowed me to live very comfortably in my truth. I feel like being a queer woman means that I can fuck who I want to fuck, when I want to fuck, I can move relationships seamlessly. I can be honest about who I'm attracted to and who I'm not attracted to. I can talk about pleasure. I can talk about pleasure as power. Um, yes. I feel... Like I can um, aestheticize with all types of different clothing choices, you know, whether I want to be comfortable one day, I want to step into my femininity and wear heels the other day. Like, I think all of those different things allow me to have a very fluid gender identity, which has always been such a place of, of liberation and empowerment for me. It doesn't look like a place of disempowerment. And so I would love to see queer be the new normal you know I told my friend Laura the other day I was like I bet our grandkids or maybe even just our kids are gonna be like wow mom like you guys have to choose male or female on the boxes of filling out forms oh. like that's so crazy to me like what I like, love it I can just see them saying that like oh my god did you know that like mom's generation they had to like pick one or the other isn't that crazy you like, know what and is to the, them that's gonna be crazy the same as what is a pager what's that yeah. Oh, a pager. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you were asking me. Oh my God. I forget you are so young. 28, right? 31, 31, 31. You're 31? It's so cute. Wow. How old are you, but, Pisces Sam? Oh my God. 42. How young are you? 42. I have wrinkles <laughs> older than you. Oh my God. Wow. <laughs> yeah, you're such a light. You're such a light. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely amazing. I've I've had an, an 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 amazing conversation. Is there something that you want to leave us with? How we can find your merch? Any upcoming projects oh, outside yeah, of, of, of COVID nineteen? 
Yeah, it's that sweet. Stay in touch on my Instagram at Madam Gandhi. Stay in touch on my Spotify. You know, it's absolutely important for anybody who's listening, um, actually following and clicking follow on the Spotify accounts of the artists that you love is a, makes a huge difference to how we pitch um, our music. You know, the more folks that we have listening as active fans um, allows it to be treated more seriously by the Spotify algorithm. So that's like a huge thing. And then also... Uh, yeah, the merchandise. We have beautiful, beautiful stuff that we've collaborated with across the board with queer designers and with women identifying designers. And uh, that's at madamgandhi.com. And you scroll down and you click shop. Period. And go and get my shit. Thank Pick you. it up. But I'll send you whatever you want, Shay. You already know that. Are you serious? I get some stuff? Of course. Oh my God. At the end of this, just send me your address. <laughs> <You're so funny. laughs> if they see me right now, they're gonna be like, she. <laughs> you can have whatever you want, Shia. The answer is yes. Oh my God. I want, I do, I want to wear so much of your stuff. I want Thank to you. represent. You know, people can tell when something has magic energy. You know, when you go into a restaurant and the food is so it's good, true. You're like, this isn't because of the ingredients, it's because the chef put their love into it. You know, and I think exactly me, with the merch, with the album artwork, with the clear pink vinyl that we did, with everything, it just has love energy in it. And that's all we can do is 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 choose to give something love instead of uh, anger or aggression. I would definitely like to have you back on on, on the show. I think this... I should get your numbers. We can be Facetiming in general, fam. Period. <laughs> oh, we'll do that. Y'all can't get all this information. We'll do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what does your quarantine playlist look like and your quarantine TV movie list look like? So no TVs, no movies for me. I, I don't know why, what it is. I, I always just end up watching that stuff when I feel like really depressed or like mm-hmm. kind of like mute in my life. And I went through that a lot last year when I was like closing out a relationship that was was in love but also just not right for either of us and I I just found myself like going to bed to movies every night just to kind of numb like my feelings about that and so uh that's my own personal relationship to like consuming Netflix it usually is because I'm in a time where I need something to take me out of myself but right now I'm like so hyped on what's going on in my life that I want to go mm-hmm. further into myself. So I spend a lot of time journaling, you know, it's almost the opposite. Like I journal before I go to sleep. It's very cathartic for me, but my COVID playlist, I have plenty of things to share. Mm-hmm. Definitely the new Justin Bieber changes album. Don't get mad at me, but it's my favorite. I, I knew Justin love, would be on there. <laughs> I also love anything from Fela Kuti, the black president, best of mm-hmm. black president. Uh, Fela Kuti album from the seventies is super inspiring. I also uh, went through each record on my uh, vinyl record shelf and I played every record for the past two days and removed the ones that I didn't connect with and kept only the ones that I did connect with. And it's a lot of stuff from uh, parts of the continent of Africa, from South India, from Indonesia. I found old Habibi funk record, which is, uh, you know, Arabic funk music from the 70s. That stuff is really beautiful and powerful. Um and then the new Britney Howard record is incredible. The new um, Napalm, who's the lead singer of Hiatus Coyote, her record that she put out a couple years ago. I've been listening to that. Um, those are some of my main COVID cathartic jams. Oh, and then my secret weapon is the Wake Up Gently playlist on Spotify, which is just like peaceful piano music. <laughs> okay, okay. I like that. I'm definitely looking that one up. I'm definitely looking that one up. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining I've, I I feel like I've gotten everything that I need. Um, we've been on here for over an hour. <laughs> who knew? It's easy with you. And for anyone, anyone who listened to the podcast all the way through, thank you for sticking it out with us. And um, thank you for, for your light as well. Definitely. And as a gift um, for listening to the whole podcast, I can go ahead and tell you who the lesbian Jesus is. <laughs> Are you familiar with Haley Kiyoko? Yes, of course. Yes. That's the lesbian Jesus. So I feel like we need to deem you. Who said that she's lesbian Jesus? It's just a known fact. You can just like Google it. This is so funny. I can't wait to dig into this further. This is genius. (laughs) So, um, so I would like to, um, Okay. Is there a takeaway from COVID-19 that you think that people should know? Or is there a specific um, um, takeaway for you? 
I think there's two takeaways. I think the first takeaway is first and foremost um, our relationship to the collective community, which is staying at home, washing your hands, being responsible to keep six feet, all the different protocol that they've recommended for us to actually respect that to the best of our ability. Um, I think that is respecting the, the collective and respecting the collective health of those around us. But I think beyond that, after that, I'm really hype on using this time to go inward. I'm really hype on using this time to leave my phone on silent. I'm really hyped to use this time to say, Kieran, what found, what feels fun right now? Oh, you want to do a workout class? Cool. You can just do it because you want to. Like, Imagine the concept of operating from a place of intuitive desire as opposed to a place of having to do something because it's in your calendar or because it's scheduled or because there's mm -hmm. no time otherwise to do it. But this stressful moment, I'm really into the ability for us to dial into our feminine intuition, our body intuition, and to, to, to heal uh, during this time of pause. Perfect. Perfect. Um, now, this is outside of the podcast. This is, this is me asking, being nosy. You know, normally I blame it on the on, on the fans and be like, you know, your fans want to know this and that. I hope you're other. asking about my dating life because I definitely want I to. I am. That. I am finna talk about my <laughs> dating life. I'm so freaking nosy. Okay, so have you nosy. seen the new L Word Generation Q? I have. Well, I'm What's T? You are not. I am. Oh my God. Oh, can you tell? I'm not telling you. Oh my God, this is torture. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm going to just like watch, I am just going to like watch the show like <laughs> over and over again. Okay. I'll be so happy to use this podcast as a place to support them. I, I like that show. I think that the, the older L word um, was really instrumental, really important in what it did and what it represented. But I remember not connecting with it and never watching an episode, maybe beyond the <laughs> pilot, because I was like, I don't see myself in this space, even though I may identify as queer. I definitely don't see myself in this space, but I have solidarity for it and I understand the need for it. And it served a lot of people when it was live. But I think the new one they just dropped in December, you know, is, is really intentional. There's a lot of focus on classism, on celebrating different races, celebrating different gender identities, celebrating different, uh, differently abled people. Um, so I really, I really appreciated that. There's even an actor who speaks Farsi on the show to her two kids. You know, the whole mm -hmm. thing is just very um, empowered. So, yeah, I had a crush on one of them and I reached out on some like mutual respect type shit. And then. She ended up coming to one of my shows and then invited me on a date. I was like, what the Oh fuck? my, my God. Pisces manifestation power is like on point right now. It's so and, real. And then Corona hit. So then we had the choice of being like complete uh, Corona roommates for like quarantine buddies or for mm -hmm. me to go home and not see you for the next four months. So I had to choose the latter. <laughs> Did but you she was very sweet. She was like, yo. I'll move this room around. You can put your studio in this room. We can be quarantine buddies. Like, I really want you around. Like, it was really sweet. Like, in true lesbian U-Haul fashion, we were both I love very it. down. I, I love it. I didn't get that option. No one said, hey, can we <laughs> deal with this together? You know, like, my, my best friend, you know, she tells me about, oh, yeah, you know, um, there are the, the quarantine sexuals. So we got hobo, you got hobosexuals and you got quarantine sexuals, right? So funny. So she tell me like all these quarantine sexuals are coming out like, hey, I got no place to go. Can I just stick this out with you? You know? <laughs> and so, and I haven't had anyone say, can I stick this out with you? So it is a very lonely process. And I want to know, is your process the same or are you managing to find no, comfort outside choice. of that? She gave me that choice and I did choose to go home. Um, and fly home and mm -hmm. I think that was a difficult choice in the moment because when you're really excited about somebody it's hard to be rational but at the same time it's almost fun to connect with someone on the intellectual level on the emotional level on the spiritual level and check in mm -hmm. on FaceTime and do virtual fitness classes together and like set up our phone side by side when we're making dinner or whatever it is and it, it's very sweet um and it allows things to go at a more honest pace so so I I'm enjoying the solo time, to be honest. Um, but it was really fun to have a, a Corona romance um, in the middle of March. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. Thank you so much, Madam Gandhi, for joining. If you are, if are you, you going to tell people are... about your uh, dating situation? My day. Oh my God! What situation? 
I have nothing to tell. Why do you think I'm interviewing so many amazing people? Because I don't have a life. I don't have no life. They said, Shia, who are you Who are you laying with? Nobody. Shia, who are you stand with? Nobody. She, yeah, she also you know, it's, on the date. you have to, maybe so we'll, lucky. maybe we'll, we'll do, we'll do it with Justin Bieber too. Oh, don't hey, we'll, just, we'll bring Justin Bieber along, you know, in my dream, I always dream that I'm friends with his wife. That's the best why way to did I, be friends with somebody. Why did I not know that this man was married? Oh, he's very married. That's what I'm telling you. He made a whole album about his wife. <clears throat> Oh my You're god! So funny. We have to wrap this podcast. We cannot we mention this to Bieber another time. People will stop listening. No, <laughs> <laughs> so they're gonna be tuned in. They're gonna want to know. They know the ass is gonna be like, what they say about Justin? Who he with? Oh, he married. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Madam Gandhi, for taking the time and it's being on my humble Billboard podcast. You know, it's so an cool. honor. It's definitely an honor. And for Thank those you. of you who are still listening, this is Shia Diamond with Billboard Podcast. We're here with the amazing Madam Gandhi. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.